Welcome back to Chop Talk, everybody. This is Greg Fahey. Today on the podcast, we have a special co-host, Jalen Pickett. We have our first Division One head coach on the podcast, Carmen Massarello. Coach Carm, how are you? Hey, good morning, guys. How are you? Good, good, good. Jalen, how we doing? Great this morning. How's everybody? It's uh, it's going, man. You want to kick this thing off? Yeah, so Coach Carm, when you played in college, what was your greatest adversity you experienced? Greatest adversity? Uh, great question, by the way, Jay. I was impressed. Uh, you know, Coach Fahey gave me a little heads up with uh, your question, <laughs> so I, I like to see the uh, the thought behind him. So uh, I'm ready for you. But biggest adversity, uh, sophomore year at New Hampshire, um, you know, I had started every game up until, I don't know, whatever, 13th or 14th game. I don't even remember what number of game it was, but we had Maine coming to town. And uh, New Hampshire, Maine was always a big rivalry. And uh, my head coach at the time, the day before the game, gave everyone a sheet of paper and a pencil and said, you know, we're going to vote on the starting lineup for tonight's game. Mm. And so as a sophomore starting, you have a lot of seniors that don't want the underclassmen starting. And so I didn't start that game. That was the only game I didn't start my sophomore year. Um, I came off the bench, had 27, hit the game tying three to send it to overtime and then hit back to back threes in the overtime to basically seal the game. And and after the after the game, the head coach had to say like, oh, I guess I guess I got to start you uh, from <laughs> now on. And so, you know, for me, it was just kind of understanding that and, and taking that for what it was worth and just, you know, doing the best I could regardless of the circumstances. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's definitely some adversity. What about you, Jalen? What's been your biggest adversity so far? Biggest adversity playing wise? Um, just trying to figure out who, just trying to figure out who's comfortable on the floor, I think for me. As a point guard, you know, you're trying to find people in the right spots and get them in positions to succeed. So I think that's something I've really struggled with, at least at the beginning. Um, now I'm starting to pick it up a little bit and figure it out. But I definitely know that being that was one of the things who give the ball to when somebody like yells at you that they want the ball. Like, do you just come down and throw it to them right on the next play, or do you still try and make the right read? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. And both and both you guys are from New York, so you, you kind of your parents are easy uh, come down. They're easy to see you, Jalen and Coach Carm. Your parents are right in our backyard. What's it What's it mean to coach where in the community where you grew up in? Oh, uh, it's it's awesome. You know, a place where I had a chance to come back home and it you know gave my start in the coaching profession for Fran McCaffrey as a director of ops and then had a chance to come back here for coach Christian as an assistant and then uh obviously now being the guy in that that first chair it's uh it's awesome just to be able to be in the community where you can make an impact that people know you and uh kind of know what you stand for you know you don't have to uh get them used to who you are your personality they know what you stand for and uh it's really rewarding you know you can make an impact and that was the only reason I wanted to be a head coach to be honest with you was to have a greater impact um to have a greater voice you know as an assistant you have uh thoughts ideas but at the end of the day if the the boss at the top doesn't say uh (laughs) yes then you know those ideas are just always going to be ideas so just uh grateful to be the head coach here and to make an impact and uh it's even that much more special when family and friends can always be a part of the journey yeah, yeah, and and, and Jalen, your your parents are at every, or your your mom, your grandma, everyone's at every game. What's that mean to you? It means a lot to me. My family's been at every game ever since I was um, a little kid, starting to play at like six years old. So I mean, to always see them in a the crowd just gives me a little extra burst of energy that I always need. Yeah, absolutely. And and you, t- Coach Carm, you talked about coming here as an ops guy originally. Um, Jalen, you want you want to get into coaching, so I know you had a question about that. Uh, definitely. Just to piggyback off of what Greg said, um, how did you like getting your foot in the door with coaching? You know, you play professional basketball overseas. You know, that's definitely a route I'm looking to take. So, how did you get your foot in the door after playing professional basketball? Yeah, it's it's a great question, and I try to help as many young coaches and young 
you know, guys kind of in your boat, right? They're, they still have eligibility left in college and, uh, they have dreams just like I did of playing professionally, whether it's here in the States or, uh, you know, across the water. And when it's all said and done, I think it's about relationships. You know, you could go the, the graduate assistant route that guys that really don't have the opportunity or have a better opportunity to do that, you know, be a graduate assistant somewhere, or you go overseas and you play or you play in, in the G League, the NBA. Um, but it's all about connections, right? So regardless where you go, how you treat people, how you handle the process, you know, do you send follow-up letters or emails or texts to people that you meet? Or how do you, how do you kind of cultivate relationships that you have of people that may be able to help you later on, but you really enjoyed their company when you first met them? Uh, but I would say, you know, I think it's a credit to you know, Fran McCaffrey gave me a shot. I had a chance to come back home. Uh, I was in between. I had just kind of finished the season. My grandmother had just passed away. Um, and it's funny, I reached out to Anthony Weish, who's obviously our defensive coordinator here. And uh, he played for Notre Dame, obviously, when they were in the Big East. John McLeod was his coach. And Fran McCaffrey was one of the assistants. So, obviously, Tone hooked me up with Fran. I got to meet him. And anytime a new coach gets his staff, they're always looking to try to have somebody that can be connected to the community or that was a former player. So obviously, you know, Jay, if I, you know, I'm still here when, when, when you're done playing, you know, we'll, we'll have a spot on staff for you. That's easy. <laughs> Love there you it. Go. Love there you it. Go. Um, yeah, no. And, and being, being a head coach, you gotta, you gotta work your way up there. And I know there was a couple opportunities where you could have gone uh, to a higher level, but you chose the right fit versus just the level. Can you speak to that too? Cause sometimes people just chase the paycheck. Yeah, it's, uh, it's another great question. I've had opportunities to go to the ACC as an assistant and, uh, you know, turned them down because, you know, I didn't see the vision or the, you know, success rate in that head coach based on some film study, based on um, mentors that I lean on for advice. And, you know, usually when you do the right thing for the right reasons, it all takes care of itself. So for instance, I turned down a job at Virginia Tech and I stayed at Boston U. That year at Boston U, it was our first season in the Patriot League. We won the regular season in our first season. You know, we won the regular season championship. We made it to the uh, championship game, you know, lost to a, a tough American U team, mm-hmm. went to the NIT. But that same year, instead of going to Virginia Tech, you know, it was about a, a $40,000 difference in salary. And obviously cost of living compared to Blacksburg, Virginia to Boston is, yep. uh, you know, is big too. But I met my wife that same year and then, uh, you know, we won. And then I had a chance to go to George Washington to be an assistant where I didn't even know there was an opening. So a lot of people always talk about, oh, you know, how are you getting your next job? And it, there's so many kind of, just thoughts and sayings like, oh, you know, never chase the money, always talk about, you know, your best job is the one you have. And and those are all true, right? If you can do that. Now, there's obviously some people that have different financial circumstances. They have, you know, young kids, they're, you know, single. Mm -hmm. There's so many different variables that come into play, but you have to know what's best for you. You have to do what you feel and your heart is right. And I think it's about the people, right? You have to go where you have great connections with people and that that you trust them. That's what it's all about. Yeah. And and a big, big part of that is definitely people, uh, especially when a lot of people uh, on our team, they talk about when they come here, they feel a connection. Did you feel that connection too as well, Jalen? Definitely. I mean, I knew Coach Carm um, when I came on my recruiting visit. Um, I knew Coach Carm was coming here, and I definitely had that City Rocks connection. So I knew he was a good guy. And I mean, I was always able to talk to other City Rocks affiliates and see that it was a good vision. So then when I got here, you know, seeing like the upperclassmen and talking to them, with like Kadeem and like Tom at that time, who were here on my here on my little visit, I'm um, just talking to them. They said it was a great place, and at that time for them to say it was a great place, and they were losing. 
at that time. Right. I mean, I clear, clearly it must have been something special, and I loved it here, and I loved where the vision was going. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and like you said, uh, Coach Carnes known you since the City Rock. So coming in, you had a relationship, and then getting on the floor. Um, you know what? It was what was uh Khalil was his name? Got Khalil hurt, right? Yeah, Khalil yep. got hurt. So you just never know where minutes are are gonna go or, or where they're gonna come from. And I know you talked about a question you had about finding minutes, right? Yep, definitely. So like, how will get a player on your team five minutes on the floor? What's the biggest thing that they can do to find time on Coach Crime's team? Yeah, I think that's a great question. It's probably something that, you know, maybe I need to have a meeting with all the guys because we have a lot of talented guys on this team this year and, and we got to see how Definitely. this, this uh, playing time is going to get divvied up. But, you know, I think one is to control the controllables, right? You can always be early for practice. You can always make sure you're doing your schoolwork. You can always make sure you're, you know, a great ambassador of our program in the community. But those are all like non-negotiables, right? But if you screw those up, then, you know, you're probably not going to make the floor at all. So you got to take into consideration, you got to do everything right up until the point you get on the floor. Now we're talking basketball wise, you know, you got to be selfless. You got to be able to, you know, execute offense, set great screens and basically care more about the team success than your individual success. Guys that worry about their individual success seem to struggle um, regardless what sport. And so for me, it's about guys realizing, hey, we have a chance to do something special here. We just won the MAC last year in our first season. Uh, you know, we're still on a 10 game winning streak, 14 and 0 at home. And so guys that have to, kind of work their way up and that are hungry but can also stay disciplined on the court. They come in for extra film, they get extra shots, and that's still not guaranteeing they're going to play, right? They're, it depends on their talent level too. So you want guys that can do all that stuff, but you just got to be, you know, bought into, I think, everything we do. Yeah, I think you remember last year, Jay, we were at Canisius and, and Rob Mahala, who's a walk-on and your roommate, you know, made it in the first half before some yep. scholarship guys. You know, he, he made it into the first half because I knew he would play hard and he didn't care about anything but trying to help the team win. You know, when guys, you can see when guys you know a team wins and they're coming in the locker room and everyone should be happy right it's tough to win college basketball games it's tough to win in anything for that matter and you come in and there's guys pouting because they played five minutes mm -hmm. or they played one minute or they played 30 seconds as opposed to seeing that 30 seconds as a chance to impact the the bottom line and win they're looking as they should have had more and, and that mindset is something that we don't stand for here and just making sure everyone's on the same page so I guess the, the long story uh, to make it shorter for you is you got to be a great person. You got to know the plays. You got to come in. You got to execute. You got to be selfless, and then you got to be a good basketball player. Yeah, and 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 that equaled the MAC championship for us last year. So when when you already touched about this, Coach Khan, but when when I say MAC championship or you guys won MAC championship, what's that mean to you as a player, Jalen, and what's that mean to you as a coach, Coach Khan? Um, definitely for me as a player, it's an accomplishment, and it just shows in it just shows all the hard work that we put in all year. I mean. We started off rough, not winning a road game for a while there. And then for us to stay together as a team, gel together, um, that speaks to Coach Carm's great leadership. And then for us as a team, really buying in and staying locked in for the long season. I think that's something that we're going to have to do this year because we have a lot of young guys and a lot of new guys coming in. So it might be rough at the beginning. But as long as we stay together at the end, we know we see where we can get to. And I think that's something that we all want at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Obviously, it's different going from an assistant to being head coach, and, right. and I think I learned a lot about myself with, with what I needed from my assistants and from our players, and, and I think it, it came down to also demanding things that you want done and how you want them done. I think kind of early on, we were kind of just kind of feeling, feeling our way through as opposed to kind of basically 
driving our way through, right? We wanted to make sure we were kind of doing things with greater force. Um, we were being sharper. We were making sure we were holding everybody accountable. And I think now, hopefully, that learning process is gone. And, and now the guys that are upperclassmen like Manny and Jalen, and obviously you have guys that are sophomores now like Gary and Kyle and Jordan King, all those guys should be able to hold others accountable and do things the right way all the time. And if we can worry, uh, or not worry, but if we can handle all of those things uh, that could get in the way of our season and guys can hold each other accountable and then we can really work on the court. I think that group knows what it takes to win a championship and that should be a uh, advantage for us moving forward. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. And and you're giving out great advice to anyone listening that's in college now or playing now um, that they can use and, and really create some discipline. Jalen, you were t- talking about um, a question you brought up to me last night. That was cool um, about telling yourself what you know now back when you were in college. If you want to speak on that. Yeah, um, definitely. So what's something that you see now in your life that you would tell yourself back in college as a player that you wish you knew, something that you knew? Yeah, as a, as a player, I think it was, you know, always – always just continue to work. It, it was tough because you go from, you know, playing in college and, and, you know, I was a guy that played over 20 minutes a game and, and was a three-year starter at New Hampshire to a guy that was a role player here at Siena when we won a MAC championship um, back in 2000, 2001. And I guess the biggest thing is to stay the course, trust your assistants, um, trust your head coach. And at the end of the day, I think it comes down to, you know, build those habits. I was, I was pretty lucky. I got to learn about myself when I was at New Hampshire and I lived off campus, I had an apartment and there everything was kind of on campus anyway, but you're able to kind of see what makes you work. So I knew I needed a routine and, and looking back, you see a lot of these guys that have success, whether they're in college or in the pros, they do have routines. I never really knew that was part of the reason I was successful, that I was organized and disciplined. I, I still remember like back in sixth grade, I had a, a teacher that made us keep a three ring binder and like everything was so organized. We had so many rules for needed reinforcers on three, uh, you know, yeah, the holes. Yeah. in the holes yeah, in yep, the, in yep, the paper yep. in the three leaf, uh, yep. what is that? Loose leaf, loose leaf paper. So yeah. you needed, you needed, uh, th- reinforcers on each hole. You had to have divider. So, so long story short, I think I was kind of trained as a young kid without even knowing that that was going to help me be successful, but, but that was trusting in those teachers. You know, at the time, that was, I had the only sixth grade teacher that didn't let us out for recess. But I think always <laughs> moving forward, you're learning and continue to learn and grow and just be open to new ideas. I think nowadays, your generation, I think everyone's kind of caught up in more like the microwave mm-hmm. instant success and being able to click on something and automatically download something or automatically like something or automatically see something. Yep. And so it's a process. I mean, there's guys now and, and Greg's the director of ops here at Sienna, but back in the day, I used to have to drive four hours to pick up one videotape that now you can download on Synergy in 10 seconds. Yeah, it's crazy. So now at the end of the day, what is that telling us? But now it's, Hey, you know, Greg's done a great thing here creating chop talk. And now obviously you're getting into this too, as well to be able to, to kind of grow yourself and this helps right that's why one of the things we do here at Siena is we make all of our guys take a public speaking course in their mm-hmm. four years mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely and we just had Kyle Young on yesterday so he uh he's working on his public speaking skills too you know sometimes you just gotta jump in front of the mic and Jalen's done a great job at that he's been uh but two two things you hit on there were habits and routine not enough college kids probably have those um if you could if you could just speak both of you to your habits or your routine uh, to a high school senior that might be coming into the game or a young coach, whatever it may be, what are some things that are good habits to build in this business or in uh, college basketball? 
Yeah, you can go um, first. Yeah, it was the, that's actually a funny question talking about high school because I was just texting my high school coach the other day, wishing I was like the amount of work I was putting in this year. Like, I wish I could have done that in high school. Like, maybe get in early right before school and get mm-hmm. some shots up, or like that free period I had. I had two free periods senior year. One was for, one they were both study halls. So if I could got in the gym maybe during one study hall and then just had the other study hall to do work, just trying to get those extra reps and those extra shots. But to my routine, um, Coach Carmen's done a great job helping me with this. You know, just waking up, getting breakfast every day, and mm-hmm. trying to get shots up. And, you know, we'll go to class, have practice, and then, you know, treatment right after practice. Then after that, you can do your homework or if you need anything else throughout the day. That's usually some my routine, at least right now. And then, you know, routines change when there's a season all going on. Right, sure. Yeah, but that's definitely my routine in the morning, just trying to get extra shots up when I can and, you know, making sure I eat. Mm-hmm. No, that's big, right? Breakfast is a big part of the day, as uh, Grandma probably always told you. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I think I think a credit to Jay, you know, and, and we did that talk with C.J. McCollum as a team this summer, which yeah. was great, and, and, and I think the guys had great questions, and obviously Jalen had the great question about asking C.J. about his routine and, and how much he worked, and, and C.J. basically said, you know, as a freshman, I thought just going in and getting extra shots up was, was you know, extra work. And now, you know, Jalen realized, like, it's it's – 30 minutes in and out, shots out of the offense, dribble pull-ups, ball screen reads, and you have a plan just like you do in the weight room, and, and you get your workout in and you're done, right? There's no wasted time. I think Gary Harris is starting to learn that now too. We've been having him uh, do extra workouts to keep him on schedule. Uh, you know, he works out 9.15 every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So we're able to kind of, you know, grow ourselves that way. And I think the biggest thing is, one, no matter who you are, I think, and, and I think this is kind of proven in books, right? the most successful people make their bed every morning, right? So I don't know. Yep, if, yep. If, we haven't checked Jalen's room recently. <laughs> I know we checked it last year, and it, we had to make sure, uh, you know, we talked to his girlfriend to help him clean it a little mm. bit. But, Shout out, Sam. Shout out, yeah. Sam. But at the, end of the, at the end of the day, I think the biggest thing is is habits, right? Do, do something that can set you apart, whether it's a guy that's trying to break into the coaching profession or whether it's a player right so Jalen needs to stretch more so that's maybe one thing where right after practice he can circle up and get a couple extra guys to stretch with him or he can go to our strength coach and say hey can you stretch me even if it's for five minutes that extra five minutes of stretching may help and then one thing that I used to do as a young assistant I would try to hit as many high school gyms and workouts um, when we were on the road and when we were allowed to you know recruit on the road that I could so I would try to see an early morning workout like 6 a.m. Uh, and usually in most of the States, there's at least one high school coach that's going early. Mm -hmm. And then I would always try to go and and meet somebody for lunch, whether it was a a local recruiting service guy or whether it was an assistant coach, uh, I would try to build a relationship there. Then I would try to go to a workout during like a basketball period in school when those were allowed. So then I would try to go to a a dinner and then I would try to go to a workout, usually like four o'clock, you know, when school got out and then usually a night workout. And so count how many people you actually came in contact with, right? Every high school workout, you're going to see the assistant. You're going to see maybe uh, a young student manager. You're going to see the kid. And then maybe the mom or dad's going to come by or the varsity coach is going to come by. There's so many rules in different states. So right there, just by one workout, you probably got five people you touch base with that got to see the logo on your shirt and got to hear, hey, I'm I'm Coach Carmer. Hey, I'm Jalen Pickett. So now multiply that by four or five stops. That's 25 to 30 contacts you had. And that's not even talking about people that you tried to meet up with or call when you were down in that area. Use Atlanta, for instance. And so from that, when I would come back home, the first thing I did 
on my plane ride, I'd, I'd write those 30 people's names out and I'd make sure I had their address, whether it was the school address or their home address. And then I would send them a handwritten letter when we got back, just thank them for their time because nowadays nobody really gets any mail, right? So if you right. send a, a mail to a, a high school or you send mail to the kid at the high school, back in the day when I was in high school, that was great. You're in homeroom and, and you get recruiting letters and you know <laughs> it kind of kind of got your swag meter up a little bit. So oh, the, yeah. the girls were looking like, hey, you know, oh, this school, that letters. school. Then the problem was, though, I had a buddy in high school, and he had the same name as a guy out in the West Coast. So he thought he was getting recruited by these Pac-12 schools, and we kind of had to tell him he wasn't. But it's uh, <laughs> it, was it's, that my, was that Matt Minor? No, oh, no, okay. Matt. I don't think Matt. I, yeah, we'll we'll leave that one alone. But uh, it was uh, Ryan McDermott who played got for it, us at Shen, and he uh, he went and played at Stony Brook. But there was a guy who was getting recruited by Arizona State, so Ryan kept getting letters from yeah. Arizona State. <laughs> It was kind of funny, but I, I guess the biggest thing is, you know, those routines just help with success, right? Whether it's, Hey, I have homework to do and I struggle reading Well, set aside an hour just to, just to highlight what you're supposed to read. So then you can go back and, and read bits and pieces when it, when it, uh, you know, presents itself. And then same thing, free throws, right? Free throws are all habits. Like what is your routine at the free throw line? I think you can carry so many things, uh, in this life about routine and habits that, uh, you know, most successful people have them. Yeah. Yeah, and something that you hit there was meet. You met someone for lunch. You met someone from dinner. And the and the one thing I've taken from breakfast checks, which I do every morning, is that the one of the I don't want I don't know if the right term is easiest, but one of one of the I'll use easiest easiest ways to build a relationship with someone is to is to eat with them. I don't know. Maybe that's just because my mom's Italian. I don't I don't know. But like every time, like you you I get closer with our team every time I do a breakfast check, and then it goes from just checking in to now Colin sits and talks to me with 20 minutes or whatever it is, you know? So I, I think, I don't know, Jalen, you speak to it as a player's point of view, but is that a way a coach can build a bomb of a player? Um, Definitely. And I think one of the reasons for that is because when you eat, you know, everybody puts down their phones and right, just and really like just, yeah, they eat and then they're actually just listening to each other. And I know we do that in my family, at least well, when I was in high school and stuff like that, we had dinner time and we'll sit down and we'll eat or we'll watch a show while we eat or something like that. But we always had that like, great dialogue between each other just at dinner yeah 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 no i i i totally agree and and i feel like i i mean coach Carm did that when i was coaching d3 we we would go to st benedict we'd meet up for lunch beforehand it's uh you know i, I what do you think on that Carm? yeah no i think uh think all those little things are invaluable, especially with, you know, running a program because it's relationship based. Right. right. And so breakfast check is huge. You know, now obviously we have a, a bunch of different hurdles. So not only are you putting down your phone when you're eating, you're pulling down your mask and, you know, you got to make sure we're being as safe as we can. And, yep. and that also limits the human contact, the human connection, which is kind of, you know, the, the struggle with, you know, coaching and, and just people growing relationships, right. They can't have as many meaningful moments because there's some, so many different protocols in place. So we got to be as safe as possible, but yep. it's all about that connection. I think anytime you can break bread with somebody and, and kind of, you know, I mean, it just brings up different conversations, right? With how somebody orders food, you can gather some information mm -hmm. with, with if they have a food allergy, with if they don't like, uh, you know, tomatoes from, yeah. hey, they have a sweet tooth and they only want dessert and they're having soup. So, I mean, there's so many different things and, but you're also gathering information, right? Anytime you talk to somebody, anytime you're spending time with somebody, you're gathering information. So from the recruiter side of it, you're able to think, oh, when I was down at, you know, visiting Jalen at 
Aquinas or at Spire Academy, and he went to the dining hall. Well, he always ate three bags of Fritos and a, a yellow Gatorade. Well, now on his official visit, when we can legally put snacks in the room, well, now there's going to be those three three bags of Fritos and, and two yellow Gatorades. But you you always got to be kind of receptive and and just know what's going on in the world around you because I think that helps with the recruiting process. That helps in any process, you know. Yeah, you, Greg, Greg, a, a young single guy here in Loudonville, right? We'll throw oh, you a plug right oh, there. Oh. But but so now you're trying to be on the scene. You got to figure out, you know, you see a girl, she's walking down the street. Maybe she has a bag from uh, Whole Foods. Yeah. Well, now you better find out what day it was. And all right, so Wednesday at, now you're not stalking. We don't want to do that. Yeah, we're not promoting <laughs> but, that but, here. <laughs> but Wednesday at, you know, Wednesday at 4 p.m., you see her walking down the street. It looks like she just came from Whole Foods. Well, maybe you go to P.F. Chang's, which is right next door, and you right. bump into her on right. her way out. You know what I'm saying? You, you gotta, yeah, yeah. you gotta have some strategy too. It's not always about habits. You gotta also have some strategy. You gotta be a detective. You got you kind of, almost. You gotta just gathering information is priceless at the end of the day. And and you you hit it. Um, kind of, we have to be safe as possible. Tough times, all that type of stuff. What's been the biggest challenge with all this COVID stuff as a head coach? Because as a as a head coach, you're, you're essentially a CEO of a company. And you have to deal with, uh, you know, problems on, on a daily. You have to delegate. You have to do all that type of stuff. And you have to have your all of, of your procedures in order, and, and especially in a world where you're dealing with 18 to 22-year-olds on a college campus. So what's been the biggest challenge of COVID so far? Yeah, the, uh, you know, one is missing the guys, right? You're not able to kind of, you know, have them all in one setting. And, you know, we haven't had a full team practice yet. So obviously there's that, but then making sure they retain the information, right? It's easy for guys to retain information when you're all in one room and you can look them in the eyes and it's not a computer screen. So for instance, we did our academic meeting for responsibilities and our academic game plan before these guys got here for school. And then, you know, you still have some hiccups with freshmen with being late to study hall and things of that nature. So I guess just those study habits, you want to make sure their habits are just as good on Zoom as it would be in an in-person class because now we're not really class checking either, right? So right. making sure guys are getting on their Zooms five minutes early, holding them accountable, making sure now we have certain guys that have to come do their study hall while they're or go do their Zoom while they're in study hall so they can have a, a great quiet space and, and don't get distracted because some guys are in the room and, you know, we tell them they got to be dressed and ready for the day and at their desk with a pen and paper and in a, you know, quiet kind of place with with their mind ready to go but i'm sure there's guys that get distracted with their cell phone if no one else is in there telling them to oh, put yeah. it down oh yeah no no doubt about it what, what about you jalen what's what's helped you during covid um what's helped me during covid is definitely reaching out to my teammates i think that's something i keep saying that it's something that's very important because over the summer you we're usually all here together so i don't need to text them or facetime them as much because i mean i see them every day so I, we get that dialogue there but i know over covid you know, everybody being home, I was able to, you know, play the 2K with Manny mm -hmm. and, you know, talk to Gary, FaceTime Gary sometimes just because I was just like, I was just missing him. Right. Just not seeing him so much. And I mean, it was weird. So I know that was definitely something I did. I was just reaching out to different type of people. I mean, Kyle Young literally called me like every day around <laughs> two o'clock whenever he got in the gym. He was like, hey, I'm about to be my brother one on one. He would just say stuff like that to me. So, I mean, it was just funny seeing different people reach out and talking to people at home from the team and just seeing everybody work because everybody wants to come back this year and improve because we feel like we left something on the table from last year. We weren't able to complete our season. So, I mean, everybody's going to strive for greatness this year. Yeah, yeah. And that kind of leads into the the other thing you were talking about. How do you become a better player each day, right? Yeah. Well, I was actually for Coach Carm, it was how do you become a better player? 
you know, um, how do you become a better coach for each day? Um, you always talk about eating, you know, enthusiasm, appreciation, and toughness. How do you, like, bring that to your life every day? Yeah, I think it starts, you know, in the morning with uh, just being happy, right? Like, not not many guys. There's only so many Division One head coaching jobs in the country, and I'm fortunate enough to have one and at a place that I can call home with uh, great guys and, and great people and great support. Obviously, uh, two beautiful kids and an amazing wife. So right there, you know, I'm starting my day off great. I'm making my bed. I'm getting up. And then it's, you know, hey, what am I doing today to grow me? Uh, I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of listening. Um, I find I, I have uh, my best kind of thoughts when I'm uh, running. So I try to run three miles a day, even though the knees and body will eventually tell me I got to slow down. And, you know, it started back in the day with five to seven miles a day, and now it's down to three. So that's uh that's also the Italian family in me, right? I have to run if I want to eat. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I watch a lot of film. I do a lot of thinking. I do a lot of stuff on my whiteboard. Um, talk on the phone a good amount, whether it's recruiting. But I think you can, like I talked about in the recruiting, you know, you can always get information and always kind of think about things. So, like, if I make a phone call and I, I say I call uh, a, a former assistant that I worked with and, and he brings uh, something up in conversation that may trigger a thought for me that leads me down a different path to call somebody else, or that may, you know, bring back a memory from the old EYBL days and, mm-hmm. and hanging out with Rob Brown at team final. So now I may call him and then he may tell me, Hey, we've been doing this cool drill with our guys, at, you know, at team final. And then I'll look at him and see if it works for us. Um, I've been really mindful trying to make sure our practices have been, um, even though we haven't been full team, making sure we are getting in all different combinations because who knows what happens with COVID? Who knows if there's a guy that gets it, knock on wood, and then he's out 14 days and the whole team shut down, but then he's out another 14 days after that. So how are we doing that if one guy gets it? Are we going to be able to have enough guys that are interchangeable pieces to be able to not miss a beat? And so really planning that, I was you know, really working on our schedule. But to grow me, I think it's all about thought and uh, introspection. So I, I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of writing. I do a lot of work on the dry race board and different sets and different actions. And it may be stuff I just throw in the garbage. But at the end of the day, just by writing it and kind of creating and, and fostering that thought helps helps the development. Yeah, and, and, and creating, growing, you said reading your thoughts. That also, you know, you, you grew, a, I think you grew a ton in quarantine and, and didn't just let quarantine beat you because one of the biggest things that you created was coaches for change. And if you could speak on the organization for the listeners listening to kind of give a little bit of a background, but you, you essentially created, you know, a brand and organization and a movement. Yeah, it was, uh, something that, you know, we're super proud of is really organic. Um, and it kind of, obviously everyone saw that the tragic murder of George Floyd and, uh, it was just, you know, heartbreaking. You know, you think about a man with, with a family and his daughters and just, there was just so much wrong with it. And, uh, I was always tired right during COVID and, and the pandemic, you had all these people on all these zooms and the positive was I got a chance to meet a lot of different people and, uh, you know, grow my network. And the negative was you have so many people out there that just want to talk. And obviously we're talking right now, but we're talking about things that we've done. Yep. And so I was like, okay, well, I'll get on the phone and I really want to make sure my guys are okay. Um, obviously our team here is predominantly black and, and for me, that's, that's great. I think we have tremendous young men, no matter you know their skin color. I think sometimes we do have to address the fact that 
an easy cop out for white people is to say, I don't see color. I wasn't raised that way. And Mm -hmm. and that's something we have to correct as well, because in order to change and grow, everyone has to see color and everyone has to realize that color is beautiful and uh, that a person is a person. But you do have to realize that everyone has different skin colors, whether it's, it's white or olive or tan or Brown or black. I mean, it it doesn't matter. So long story short, I reached out to some friends in the business and um, we, we set up a zoom and just started talking about how we were helping our teams through this. And it was funny because I reached out to our guys and and said, Hey guys, you know, I'm here for you. And they just said, Hey coach, we appreciate you reaching out. That's, we just need to know that you're here for us. And and I said, yeah, of course, always. And, uh, you know, I released a statement on, on Twitter and I didn't even really wait for any approval. I think I was the first coach in the Mac actually just to release a statement because I felt it was needed. And from there, you know, coaches for change. We met one night. We, we didn't even really have a name. Um, you know, I just kind of talked about, you know, being a coach for change and being able to help our student athletes and our campus communities and our local communities grow as one. And I figured the ideas and the thought that we could provoke and create in coaches for change could also help everyone across the country in college athletics, not just basketball. And so we want to make sure we're engaging we're educating, we're empowering, and we're evolving our student athletes, whether it's through voting, uh, systemic racism, or just even COVID protocols, right? We want to make sure we're a resource. And we also want to have it as a resource to grow these coaches that are in admin levels or that are volunteers Mm -hmm. or assistants, right? There's head coaches in it. There's women's coaches in it. There's strength coaches in it. It's a free membership. You can sign up and all you have to do is say, you're going to be a great person and you're going to, you know, get your group, whoever you work with registered to vote. Um, That was kind of the first initiative we had, but it it was something that just kind of came about because I was tired of seeing people sit on the sidelines and uh, just talk. Yeah. And, and so I was like, Hey, you know, let's, let's, let's do something. Let's, let's be about this change. And just the fact that we're having these conversations and we're kind of empowering our coaches and giving them some positivity because I was feeling really angry and upset and I'm not black. And so imagine all of our black brothers and sisters, what they've been going through for so many years, hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, that's just been on their shoulders for so long. So if I feel this way after three months, you know, imagine this was a lifetime. Imagine this was my grandparents and, and my ancestors. And so that that's why I did it. I And I, like, I keep coming back to it. That's the only reason I wanted to be a head coach. It's obviously, uh, I enjoy coaching. I love the game of basketball, but I love being able to mentor. I love being able to have a, a bigger platform and a greater voice to, to do things that will help this world. I think that's what it's about. I think there's too many selfish people in this world that only care about themselves and, and care about, you know, what they get out of it. I think, you know, the more you care about others, the more you grow as well. Yeah, powerful stuff. And and Jalen, as a player, it's got to mean a lot to you for having your head coach start something like that and really be behind it. Not just you know a lot, like you said, a lot of coaches want to just hop on a mic. They want to release a statement. How many how many statements are you going to release before you actually go out and educate someone or do something about it? So what's that mean to you? Um, it means a lot to me, and I kind of I kind of knew this kind of reason. One of the reasons I chose this school is because I know Coach Carm, what type of person he was, and what he was all about. Um, and I mean, this is what I think kids need to really focus on the type of people they're around in general, at least people from back in my city as kids, they, they surround themselves with crowds and I don't think everybody goes on a different path. And that's very important because I know at least from me playing up at the rec center when I was young, playing at the boys and girls club, 
I knew a lot of kids, and we all used to play together, and they were really good. But it's a different crowd I went to. It's a different way I went from where they went. And now they're, you know, doing different things, and they might be in jail right now or, you know, just not doing positive things with their life, and they were really good players. Right. So I think everybody needs to start really looking at what they're going to do with their lives and surround themselves with good people. So, But surrounding yourself with good people in, in the crowd, someone that might be in your situation uh, now, and let's say they're, I don't know, a sophomore in high school, and they're trying to get pulled into the wrong crowd, what, what message would you have for them? Um, definitely go and talk to your coaches. They're, mm-hmm. they're, all your coaches want to see you do good, and um, Coach Carm is definitely one of those reasons. I know I will go talk to my coaches all the time, so if I, mean, if I had a coach like Carm, which I do, of course, but... You know, I would definitely in high school, yeah, 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 yeah. I would definitely go talk to him all the time. Yeah, yeah, and I think it circles back to that that family aspect. And and the one thing, and I, I've talked about this with my parents and other people that I really love about Coach Carm is that uh, a lot of people will bring it in, and say one, two, three, family, right? Like that's that's what people will say. But do you actually mean it? Coach Carm actually means it. He, he you know he spends time with his family, um, which but it's so hard to do that in college basketball. So Coach Carm, what, how do you how do you do that balancing act and um, can you kind of just give some advice for someone that might be a young father at home and coaching basketball? Yeah, the uh, the pandemic was just the, the blessing of it was I got to see my wife and daughter, you know, and my newborn son who was, you know, born uh, during the pandemic in May. Uh, I got to spend so much time with him. I remember when Reese was born down in D.C., I was in the hospital with my wife for two days, and then we left to go play in a postseason tournament. And, uh, <laughs> you know, she was uh, she still brings that one up. But, oh, yeah. um, you know, that's that's par for the course. But, no, my wife is great. She's uh, understanding of what it means to be a coach's wife. And, you know, people think once you're a head coach that that the grind stops. And, and you know, it really never stops, right? You're wired one way, and so you want to do things um, – how you do them. And so we've been able to kind of work out schedules and, uh, we're thankful. We, you know, we have a, 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 a nanny that comes to the house mm-hmm. too. And, and that helps. And my wife actually works here at Sienna, which is awesome because she can have kind of her quiet time and, right. and, and a peace of mind, right. To just come to work and, and not have to worry about, you know, feeding our kids or, you know, doing laundry or, you know, just running our home, which she does an amazing job at. And I think that the biggest thing is you just kind of, and my wife was killing me for this when we were dating because I was a big planner. So like when she was living in New York, she lived in the Lower East Side and I was living in DC. So she would take the train down. So I'd always have to try to plan. And she eventually got really good at like knowing the train schedules and all this. But I was like, listen, I got practice, but then I have to go recruiting. So I'll be able to go to New York and pick you up and then you can just ride back with me and you only have to. So like planning is, is key. So just being able to know, hey, let's make sure we're having family dinner as Jalen alluded to earlier, how important that was for him growing up with his family. You know, let's Let's make sure we sit down at the kitchen table, even though my, my daughter Reese is uh, an animal sometimes at, <laughs> at dinner time. She loves to, you know, eat and run around and play hide and go seek. And next oh. thing you know, uh, dinner time turns into playtime. But I just think it's about having that communication, having a plan. And then obviously, uh, you know, I'll get up with the kids in the morning sometimes so my wife can sleep in. And then that way I get to see them if there's nights I know I have to work late. But I'm usually always home for dinner. Um the best thing is to we we bought a house. I put an office in it so I can work from home, right. and then I could do some meetings from home. She she was calling me Mister Zoom over the pandemic, so that was uh you know another little problem. But now she's on it for work, so she can't really break she my chops talk, too yeah. much. Yeah, no, and and I think being home for dinner is so underrated because um, then life goes by, and in all those moments, like you said, like Reese going and playing hide and go seek, you miss and. Um, it's like you snap and you're like, damn, I, I wish I just was home for dinner. And, and was it 
did I really need to stay at the office that extra hour or, or was that extra hour more important to go and see my family? Yeah, no. And that's a, that's a great point, you know, and obviously Jalen wants to get into business and, and I guess I'm, I'm one of these coaches where you should have things that you know you have to do and, and you should have checklists and, and, but you should almost be your own business as an assistant or as a director of ops. Like you should know, Hey, I need to do X, Y, Z. I can do these three things. I can make this phone call on my way home from work. Hey, I can call this guy in the morning. And then if you're single and you don't have any of those responsibilities at home, you know, I was always working when I was single. I was, yeah. I was at the office, you know, when we, when coach Simon and I worked at Fairfield for Ed Cooley, I was in the office Saturday mornings from like nine to 12. I'd get a workout. I'd go have lunch somewhere. I'd come right. back to the office. You know, that, that's what you do. I'm not going to stay in my, my house or my apartment you know, by myself and no. just sit on the couch. So it's like you work out and, and you're active, right? Your mind's always going. So, you know, there'd be times where a year, um, I'd have probably 75 kids I'd be recruiting in one class, wow. 75. So think about that's phone calls to AAU coaches, high school coaches, mom, dad, kid, barber, uncle, aunt. I mean, so, you know, you have to be as detailed in that, but you always have time, right? You make time for things that you want to make time for. And I wanted to be one of the best assistants in the country. And, and that was my goal. And now my goal is to hopefully be one of the best head coaches in the country. It's not like we're doing this thing just to, you know, say we did it. We're trying to do this thing at the highest level. Yeah. And, and for Jalen, you wanted to get into coaching. What he just said, recruiting 75 kids at a time, uh, and, and you have an assistant coach, Carm, that, that I, I, you showed me when you were recruiting, uh, Arnaldo Toro to GW, you kind of have a system where you can track that information. And the one thing that I took from you is that you write down what you kind of have or maybe key things on a phone call. So the next time you talk to somebody, you don't be repeating yourself or you know what you talked about. Yeah, it's uh, for me, it's common sense, right? You don't want to have a call with somebody. So I'm recruiting Jalen, right? And, and say I'm an assistant. And I call Jalen, I talk to him, I learn about how important his mom Gwen is and his grandmother and, uh, you know, he's from Rochester and how important his relationships were with his high school coaches and, and prep school coaches. And then if I don't tell my boss that information and my boss calls Jalen and gets that same information, well, we just, we just miss a great opportunity to build a relationship and to grow the depth of it. Right. So for me, it's just being smart and having common sense yet, you know, it's a lot of guys don't care to do that or don't want to take the time to do that. And they just figure that the, the head coach is going to make his calls and the assistant's going to make his calls. And at the end of the day, it, it takes more than one person to have a great relationship with a special player to get them to believe in your program. And I, I think that's why we do a great job here at Sienna Recruiting is because we kind of tag team it. We kind of do it all together where uh, we'll have a Zoom call to introduce our staff. And then that way, now when that student athlete gets a call, he can have a face with a name as yep. opposed to just a name or just a text message. And that's the other thing too, right? There's a lot of guys out there um, that want to offer kids scholarships via text message. And so like anyone that calls me and, you know, we can't talk to young kids, but if a high school coach or AU coach of a young prospect calls me and they say, Hey, this kid's good enough. What do you think? I'll send you film. And I like him. I say, well, you got to have that young man call me. Cause I want to, I want to see how he is on the phone. Right, I want right. to, I want to give him a litmus test right off the jump. If he's going to be excited that I'm going to offer him a scholarship, if he's going to be engaging on the phone and ask me questions, I love guys when I'm recruiting, if they ask me how I'm doing, right. I'm, yeah, uh, you yeah, know, man, so I, yeah, the guys yeah. that can kind of, you know, conversate and come back with it. And the same thing with, with our guys here at Sienna, right. Our teammates and our family here, you know, I love guys that can have relationships and communicate with each other and communicate with me. And, um, you know, I think that's a key to success in any business organization. Yeah. Communication is key. And, and that's a, like you said, it's kind of common sense just to have 
all that stuff written down. And the other thing I want you to touch on, because young young guys that listen to this, that managers, GAs, all that type of stuff, is how to kind of weaponize your phone book. You do you kind of taught me how to do it a certain way. Can you just speak to how you put a contact in your phone book? Because I think, I don't know, maybe, I don't know anybody that does it. So I, I would just like that information to kind of be heard. Oh, man. Trying to drop all my secrets out here. Uh, I, I mean, you don't. You don't have no, to say. No, no, it's uh, it's common sense as well. You know, the way I look at it is one. Fran McCaffrey, um, you know, he was big on sending letters uh, through like uh, back then. There was like a mail system, so you could you know print. 50 letters and they could go through and I had to fold them and I used to always have to handwrite the addresses just because it looked better than oh, a, okay. a, a, a sticker. Um, and then, you know, the, the lower end guys would get the sticker. So, yeah. you know, you knew if you were good, there was a handwritten label yeah. on it. Matt Miner would get the sticker. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, you know, I always get frustrated where I want to have as much information. So if I talk to a kid and, and I'll use Jalen as an example. So I put Jalen's contact in my phone and I don't just just haphazardly just type it in on the move. Like as I'm in a car driving or as I'm like walking, drinking a coffee, I sit down at my desk, I type in his name, I go under, you know, does Jalen have a, an iPhone or is it just his mobile phone or is it his home phone? So I make sure that that's there. Like there's a reason there's all these different labels in an iPhone when you, you know, catalog your, your phone book. So I put down, Hey, Aquinas Institute, Spire Academy, um, 2018. Uh, 17 Aquinas, 18 Spire. So, so yeah, so I would put 2018 because that was the class he was in. I'd put, you know, i put guard. I'd put 6-3. Then below it in the notes section, if I knew his birthday, I'd, I'd put the birthday in there. I'd put the AAU team he played for back up there too. So it'd be, you know, Aquinas, Spire, City Rocks, uh, his class, his height. Um, then in the notes, I'd put, hey, you know, the, the date I spoke with him, um, how I like the conversation, you know, I'll kind of grade the conversation, whether it's in my mind or in his folder that I would have. And then, uh, you know, I put mom in, in uh, the information he gave me, I would put in that note section because now if I share that contact with my boss, he has it all right there. Now there's some bosses that, you know, and, there's some bosses that don't even care to read it and they're just going to ask you to text the number right. and they won't and they won't even save the contact. Like I don't want people doing double work. Just like I was trying to allude to before, you know, guys have jobs to do, get them done, then don't sit at the office and be afraid to leave the office if you're still working. Like I don't want guys sharpening pencils just to say they're sharpening pencils yeah, because yeah, at yeah. the end of the day, we're probably not even going to use those pencils anyway, but yep, you're feeling yep. good that they're all sharp. Great. Yeah. Um so for me that's just wasted time. So, you know, I think in order to be as efficient as possible, why not take the time to put the contact in the right way? Also, and, and I talked with one of my assistants here, Coach Fuller, about it early on, and he's gotten better, <laughs> but I don't want one name across the whole first line that's just supposed to be a first name. I don't want Jayla Pickett, Aquinas, City Rock, all yeah, in one yeah, line, yeah. right? On you know, so a Harley move right there. Yeah. <laughs> so at the end of the day, you know, I want guys that are taking the time to be organized because I think that organization lets you be as efficient as possible. Just like when we practice, right? We go from drill to drill. We have an offensive segment, a defensive segment. We have a five on zero segment. We have a transition segment, but we go in and out of those and you guys know what to expect. So same thing when, when I put a contact in, I want my assistants doing that same thing for me because now it just makes my job easier. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We're coming up on almost an hour here, fifty minutes. Jalen, you have any uh, last questions you want to get in, or thoughts, or anything, or you you want to go right to shoutouts? Uh, we go right to shoutouts, honestly. All right, all right, cool. Obviously, uh, 
For the people that listened, uh, the last part of Chop Talk is, is shout-outs. Jalen, you can go. Coach Carm can go. Then I can go. Anyone you want to shout-out, Jalen? Anybody want to shout-out today? Uh, but I just want to shout-out all the hard workers, everybody who wakes up in the morning and does really good with their lives. You know, shout-out. Also, I want to shout-out um, Samantha Saeed. That's my girlfriend. Her dad's <laughs> birthday was yesterday. So I'll there give her a shout-out. All right, cool. Coach Carm? Yeah. So, I, you know, I have to give a shout out. None of this would be possible without my wife and family, my mom and dad, my sister, Marnie, who's also a Siena alum. It's uh, it's just great, you know, being able to, you know, spend time with them on weekends and uh, do different fun things. It's the, the positive of being the boss is you can make the schedule how you want it. So, um, you know, I now I got to try to make it so I can get to Reese's Saturday uh, soccer, Saturday 10 a.m. soccer practice. So, Next next Saturday, maybe an early morning, Jalen. So just giving you a heads up now to set your alarm. There we go. Um, there we go. And then obviously, uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, to Siena College. Right, without that, without them, you know, we wouldn't be here. Uh, thankful for the opportunity we have. We have a chance to do something real special. Um, you know, another another day and uh, another day to get better. And shout out, like Jalen said, to all the people that are uh, motivated and hungry and, and doing things the right way. Because a lot of people want to take shortcuts and then they don't realize it, or they don't want to they don't want to hold themselves accountable and then they wonder why they don't make it. You know, they're not going to hold themselves accountable for the shortcuts that they're taking. So, don't take shortcuts. Do yep. do the time, put in the work, and uh, be a great person. Yep, love that Reese is playing soccer. Saw it on Instagram the other day. Uh, you know, uh, maybe we can get her a little bit out of that cheerleading uniform on the soccer field, though, Coach Carm. Yeah, you know what though? She she uh, she did look good in the cheerleading <laughs> outfit. She was super cute and. Uh, no, she did. She did. I'm just messing. Um, but yeah, no. Shout out Siena College. Uh, they've also been doing a great job with uh, all the COVID stuff. So that that's been that's been great. Fortunate enough to keep our, our workouts going. Shout out Coach Carm, first Division One head coach on Chop Talk. Jalen, shout out getting up, getting here early. I love that early, Jalen. Good, good. Um, and thanks for everyone listening. And thanks to Carmen uh, and Jalen. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Greg. <laughs>